All right. Acts, where we're in the book of Acts, our study, is one of my favorite uh, books. I think it's one of the most exciting books in the New Testament. Uh, In it so far, we've seen the birth of the church. We're just barely getting into the book, and yet as we journey through it, we're going to see just the incredible way that God uses his message, and he uses his people, and he uses his spirit, and he uses his power to impact and literally changed the world uh, in that day. Last week in Acts chapter 2, we witnessed as Peter and the other apostles just boldly proclaimed the gospel. And I think it's hard to completely capture the change that has taken place in these followers of Jesus. Lloyd Ogilvie writes this, he said, The most powerful historical proof of the resurrection is the resurrected disciples. Dull, defeated people, he says, became fearless, adventuresome leaders. Cowards became courageous. The timid became bold. And we're going to see that played out through the rest of this book of Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 3 this morning. Now last week, again, we witnessed this special outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but lest we just chalk that up to a special appearance by the Holy Spirit, we need to look further. And what we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit keeps showing up. God keeps showing up in different ways, right? But for the same purpose, the purpose of connecting people to Jesus and the purpose of growing them as his followers or his disciples. And so I want to walk through the events of Acts chapter 3 and 4 this morning, realizing that this pattern that we're going to see happens several times actually in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, and even happens today as we encounter kingdom challenges. Okay? Acts chapter 3, pick up with me in verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those people going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. So, like, this is a beautiful part of this text to me. Peter and John are simply living life as Jesus' followers. When they encounter this man who was lame, and with God's power, they bring healing. And everyone, all the people are amazed so that God has their attention. And when Peter recognizes what has happened, 
then Peter uses the opportunity to preach a message. This is, this is the pattern in Acts, right? The miracle gets the attention, okay? So the message gets heard. God shows up, does something super special. Everyone says, whoa, what is going on? And Peter says, let me tell you what's going on here. And he fills in the blanks. Peter's message, similar to in Acts chapter 2, the Jesus who you killed and God raised from the dead, it was by faith in him that this man was healed. And in response, he tells them the same thing he told the people at Pentecost, that they should repent and turn to God so that they could be forgiven or in a right relationship with him. Now, you remember that we read all of this is taking place in the temple courts. (laughs) And so not everyone was pleased that the name of Jesus was being preached in the temple courts, as we'll see if you flip over with me to chapter 4. The Jewish authorities responded to their preaching, it says. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. How dare you preach about Jesus in our temple, they're saying. Um, so they, they, they toss him into jail. But I want us to understand that not everyone was so threatened by what God was doing. Okay? If you read just one more verse, verse 4, look at the different response of the people. It says, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The kingdom was growing significantly. God got people's attention. And then the apostles preached the good news. In chapter 3, we read that there were 3,000 people who responded to Peter's sermon on on the day of Pentecost. And just shortly after now, we read there are 5,000 men alone, as well as women and young people. Well, the next day, the rulers of the Jews, the the elders, the teachers of the law met. And they questioned Peter or John, under whose authority are you doing this? By whose power are you healing this man? And I love the way Peter responded, just just a cool cat, right? (laughs) I mean, just with such wisdom, because he asked them, he's like, why would you oppose a simple act of kindness in healing a man? (laughs) Well, that wasn't their problem, but it was their problem all at the same time, right? And he confirmed to them it was through Jesus, the same Jesus that you crucified, that they were able to heal this man. And so not only did they preach to the people in the courts, but even as they were being questioned by the Jewish leaders, they preached to them the same exact message. And what we see is that the leaders were surprised. They were taken back by the courage and by the clarity of these apostles. If you look down at verse 13, I love what it says. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I've read through the book of Acts many times over the years. 
And there are two verses that stand out in the book of Acts that just really touch me on a heart level and are things that I think um, would always, I would always love to characterize me. And, and this is one of them here, here in um, verse 13. Okay? Wouldn't you notice if when people saw you, when people saw the difference in your life, when they see your heart, when they hear your courage, when they observe the distinction in your life, wouldn't you love it if they would just say, it's obviously that, obvious that they've, they've been with Jesus. Such a simple message and such a beautiful message in that way. Well, these leaders were in a predicament, right? Because like the man who'd been healed, he came into the temple courts. He, he was there, right there. And the people had all noted what happened. They'd seen it with their eyes, their own eyes. And so because they had no recourse, they'd done nothing wrong, they simply had to intimidate, try to intimidate Peter and John and threaten them and tell them, to quit speaking in the name of Jesus. But remember, these were not the same disciples that they knew once upon a time. They were not so easily intimidated like they were earlier in the Gospels. These aren't men who now cowered under intimidation. They didn't run from the battle. They no longer hid for fear of what might happen if they were associated with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus and they'd watched him perform miracles for three years. But now they had been with a resurrected Jesus and a victorious Jesus, and it changed them. Now they had the Holy Spirit in them, and the Holy Spirit came on them in power at different times. In fact, all of these men, Peter and John, but the other apostles, they would all die for their faith. They would all die for what they believed about Jesus because they were that convicted by it. They were transformed by God. And they went from being intimidated by to actually being intimidating to the authorities because God was so alive in them. They turned the tables on them, if you will, and they responded to the very leaders that they once feared, the very leaders that they scattered from once upon a time in verses 19 and 20 with these words, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. And in the end of this encounter, we read the results there in verse 21 and 22. It says, after further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because other people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Many of them were older than that. For their whole life, this man had been brought to this gate called Beautiful and put there to beg. How many times had he asked them for money? They knew, they saw, and they saw the change, and it was amazing. And I particularly love how when they released Peter and John, and they went back to this gathering of Jesus' followers, the growing number of people who had surrendered their lives and their futures to Jesus, they all rejoiced and praised God. And you would expect that. They were free. They weren't beaten in this case like they would be at other times, you know. And they're back with us. And yeah, we won the victory. But what I really love 
is they ask God, that whole group, they ask God for more boldness and more ability to witness to the work that God was doing. Listen in on their prayer in verse 29. They prayed, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And God answered their prayer in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, from these two chapters, Acts 3 and 4, I want us to think through three very simple application points for our lives that I think are, are, are worthy not only to note from the text, but they're worthy to embrace with our lives as well. If we want to be uh, productive contributors to God's kingdom through the unstoppable church that we're talking about, okay? And the first is this. It's very simple and complex at the same time, and that is this. Live like Jesus, okay? Live like Jesus, okay? I love how the story unfolds, and the miracle actually happens as Peter and John are simply going to the temple to pray, and they respond to a man who's engaging them, okay? What I don't read in the text is that somehow they got up that morning and they said, how can we perform a miracle today? <laughs> how can we perform, how can we make a big splash, you know? How can we ruffle the feathers of the Jewish authorities today? How can we stir the pot? I don't read that anywhere in chapter 3. I read that they simply were going to the temple to pray. They were simply living a life of following Jesus. They were simply faithful then to respond to the opportunity that God brought to them. I'm not saying they weren't looking for opportunities. I'm saying when God is calling the shots, the opportunities often find us. They were just being faithful. They were just going to pray. And God showed up in a special way as he often does. Now, if we want to make an impact for God and his kingdom, if we want to know, be known as people who have been with Jesus, like we read in chapter 4, if we want to overcome our fears, if we want to live a more courageous life or witness to and for Jesus, we've got to simply walk faithfully in obedience to the direction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't that what it means to, to call Him our Lord, our Master, our Boss? You call the shots, I'll respond. Okay? And what we watch in these chapters and throughout the chapters of Acts is that these followers of Jesus, they take advantage of these opportunities to speak for Him. But they always point people to Jesus. And other people always observe how Jesus is alive in them because they're living like Jesus. Okay? And ultimately, then Peter uses words. Okay? In verse 19, he tells them how to respond to God's call, similar to what he said in chapter 2. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
I like that word, those words as well. Because I think it's just good and reflective of what happens, what happens when we make things right with God. It's like a time of refreshing. It's like the world is right again because things with us and God are right again. Listen, it's refreshing to live like Jesus. It's refreshing to live under his direction. That's how we were created to live. It's refreshing to respond to his call and his leading. And not how, it's not refreshing to spend all of our time figuring out how am I going to impact someone's life. Much more refreshing to find ourselves in the middle of God showing up in it unfolding, us just simply being faithful to what God is doing. So listen, just be faithful. I understand that it's simple to say and hard to do. <laughs> but just be faithful. Just be obedient. Just be in tune with God. And then respond when he opens up an opportunity to be a part of his mission. And listen, when we do this, as in the text, we should expect pushback. Expect pushback when you obey God, right? Remember verse 2? The leaders were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. Well, listen, when, when God is at work, the enemy is also at work trying to counter his efforts. So as soon as the gospel begins to advance, 5,000 men alone in the short period of time, the counterattacks from the enemy come along. Right? And, and we find the same thing to be true today. Because the very same things are at stake. These, we're talking about the souls of people. We're talking about eternities. We're talking about people connecting with God their creator and God their redeemer the one who will save them and listen this is why it's so important for us to live under the direction of the Holy Spirit okay? it, it's one thing when life brings challenges and they happen just because we are a part of a world that has been infected with sin right we live in bodies that break down we live in a world where diseases happen we live and a thing where just by being a part of this world, challenges come. And it's another thing to, um, to deal with the challenges that we create ourselves, right? We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all still make wrong choices. We don't always walk in obedience. And when we don't, it oftentimes stirs a different kind of pot, <laughs> Right? And brings different kinds of challenges because we've stepped outside of God's plan for our life. And oftentimes there are consequences for that because of our selfishness or because of our pride. Or because um, we refuse to live a life that is void of our own agendas <laughs> and we pursue them. Yeah, listen, when, when the problems come because we are living like Jesus when we are living in obedience to Him. Okay? It's really important that we understand why we are doing what we're doing. Okay? And understand that what we are doing is what God has called us to do. It's a whole different level when the problems come because of that. It doesn't mean they're not challenging. It doesn't mean they're not difficult. It's just when those things come, 
when the pushback comes, um, we know it's because we're in the right place. Peter says, you guys judge for yourselves, but we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard because this is God's path for us. And although you're bringing some heat right now, we know we're right in the middle of the path where God wants us to be. We're walking in faithfulness and we're walking in obedience. Okay? And what I want us to notice as well is when they do walk in obedience, these disciples here, God provides the boldness and the words for Peter and John. Now, when, when they're in that difficult situation, God shows up in a special way. Fear didn't stop them. In fact, God being at work actually empowered them. Even when the enemy was on the attack, God gave them what they needed to rise up to the challenge they were facing. So expect pushback when you obey God. But also expect that God will provide you with what you need to accomplish what he's asking you to do. That's the benefit of living like Jesus and walking in his path in that way. And then I, I love the response to what all happened here. And I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll look at it just a little bit closer. This whole group of Jesus' followers, how they ask for more opportunities to honor God and the boldness to engage in them. Listen to their prayer again in verse 29. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your words with great boldness. <laughs> Excuse me. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for protection. They didn't even pray for the persecution to stop. Now, that, that gets our big three out of the way, right? Typically what our prayers look like at times. They prayed for boldness and for grace and for power to be able to proclaim God's message. They sought an opening to challenge people's ideas about God. They desired to speak into their lives so that their lives would be changed. They believed that the fruit of their obedience actually brought encouragement to God's people and a desire to engage more in His work. Because that's exactly what happened. And it's a beautiful picture when you walk in God's path and you come up against the challenges that come from doing that. And you watch God show up in a special way. Because instead of scaring you away from walking in His path, it commits you so much more deeply to doing it because your life really matters. Okay. And I just I want to speak here one more thing that we see in the book of Acts that maybe is different than what we see in the church today. Okay. Living a life um, of impact has a lot more to do with saying yes to God and his plan than it does to saying no to sin and temptation. Now, you're going to find this in the book of Acts. In fact, the very next chapter, there's going to be sin and temptation in Acts chapter 5. But listen, if we live and engage God at the moral level decisions only, sin and temptation, okay, and we don't begin to think about and engage God at the mission level decisions, we're probably never going to grow spiritually. Okay? And we're probably never going to make an impact 
with his kingdom for our lives because simply good people don't change the world. And you and I, we're, we're not that good. I mean, I, I know a lot of you, right? Like sinners, <laughs> hypocrites, <laughs> people who struggle, who are on a journey to be more like Jesus, but just who aren't there yet. And some of us got a long way to go. And, and I know some people outside of this building that are probably morally better than you and I, who maybe make some better choices sometimes. But that's not how we spend an eternity with Jesus. And so besides just living good lives, which I think is important, and walking in obedience to his commands as they relate to holiness is super important, we have got to begin to find ourselves on mission with Jesus, realizing that there is a whole world of people out there that don't know him. Listen, kingdom challenges, they are part of the journey of being a follower of Jesus. And the more we embrace God, and the more we follow his plan for our life, the more we're going to face these challenges. But here's the beautiful part that I have found, and I hope you have found as well, in this journey that we are on. When those challenges come because of our obedience, what we find is that we actually have more peace and more confidence and more intimacy in our relationship with God because we're walking with Him. And the things that we fear that it might drive us away, it actually moves us closer to the heart of God and for why we were created in the, place, in the first place. And, and so we step back and ask ourselves, what are you looking for in life? Who are you following with your life? What is the end result of the road that you are choosing to walk, not just for you, but for the people in your life. Listen, we want to pray with you, talk with you about your life and about your choices and about your challenges and about your future. I'm going to pray, then we're going to sing. I'm going to step to the back, and I'd love to talk or pray with you about any of those things. Dan, of course, is going to be out at the info desk. He'd love to talk to you about Pine Haven as well. Um, Be encouraged. When we live like Jesus, challenges come. But when they come, God is honored and lives are changed, and that is worth our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your work in our lives. Lord, it's not always easy. And at times it doesn't even always seem beautiful, and yet when we see the fruit of your work, it is beautiful. When we watch lives change, when we know that we have had a part in helping someone connect with you and it makes a difference in their eternity, when we watch people grow and engage you in mission because they have a heart for you, to know that we are part of that journey, it's our calling in life and it's our hope for our lives. May it be so, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand this morning as we respond.